Now, from BetQL, it's time for the Daily Tip with Michael Jenkins. Dang it, he's talented. And let's be honest, I go for ambition, not look. And Chelsea Messenger. Don't kill the messenger, or the messenger will kill you. Hey, Dad, don't forget about me, the dunkster. Presented by BetMGM. Good morning. Happy Monday. Hour two, the daily tip starts right now on the BetQL network. I'm Chelsea Messenger. He's Michael Jenkins, and we've got a lot in store if you stick around for the next hour. We're starting off hot with MVP Monday, who had the best weekend of anyone across the sports landscape. Then at 7:20, it's on to Monday night football. The Bears, the Vikings. Maybe not the best matchup you were hoping for, but still, there are plenty of ways to make some money. At least we are hoping so. Then at 7.40, it's on to the NBA. What are the best games on the slate tonight? And uh, maybe some prop plays that may interest you. Jenks, I had a thought on Sunday that I was not very proud of. And I thought to myself, after watching the monstrosity that was the 1 p.m. slate, do I even like football? This is miserable to watch. What? Do you remember the 1 p.m. slate yesterday? It was the Giants. It was the oh, Jets. Yeah. It was the Panthers and the Titans, which I had the pleasure of seeing in person. My God, the Panthers offense is terrible. We left early. I'm a huge football fan. I couldn't even sit through what? it. Jenks, did you have this thought while watching the 1 p.m. slate yesterday? Well, let me tell you, I didn't watch much of the 1 p.m. <laughs> slate yesterday. So the answer is yes. Not only did I have that thought, I was like, yeah, God, you want to put something else on? Like, I don't want to power through Patriots and Giants just because I, I'm not one of those people who just because a game is on, I will watch it. Now, yes, I want to see good football. I want to see great games, but I'm not... If my option is, hey, let's watch Giants Patriots, how about <laughs> I put on Netflix and I just check my phone? I would rather do that. I don't want to power through. Bad foot, like any other sport, you can see a bad hockey game, you can see a bad baseball game, you can see a bad football game. Why in the world would you want to force yourself to do that unless you're some sort of mega fan or a fan of one of those teams? So I don't think it's a bad thought at all. I think it's a common thought. I don't know how the slate was so bad, but it was. Saints Falcons, Steelers Bengals without Joe Burrow, Jaguars Texans was actually the best game of the entire 1 p.m. slate. And the AFC South is normally terrible. Like that was the best game. Then we had the Bucks, the Colts, the Patriots, Giants. And like I said, the Panthers and the Titans. I was watching the the Panthers play for the first time in person because, you know, they were in Nashville. Bryce Young was standing out there. And literally, mm -hmm. the cheerleaders go on to do their, like, first quarter show. I'm pretty sure some of the cheerleaders were bigger than Bryce Young. He was <laughs> jarringly small. Oh, yeah. And I will say that the more he has played, the more definitive his height or his lack thereof has become just noticeable. You know, I we knew it. But it's one thing in college football where you look a little smaller and then it's quite another to get into the National Football League. And you're like, oh, he really is small. And I'm rooting for Bryce Young. He seems like a really good dude. But, man, he just has not had it this year. He does look tiny. And then 
He has to look down in Houston and see C.J. Stroud just wrecking shop. Okay, so I'm not a football like analyst. I've never been an offensive coordinator, and I don't yeah. fancy myself smarter than the offensive coordinators. But what's with this play calling of constantly running these little slants or these little laterals when it's like mm -hmm. third and 18? Because the Panthers did this so many times, and they would just like dump it behind the line of scrimmage for a loss. I'm like, dude, like the offense needs to go forward. Like, what's the mm -hmm. purpose of this? Is there any team that doesn't have like, you know, Christian McCaffrey or Debo Samuel that can mm -hmm. run these plays successfully? Or does this ever drive you mad when you see this play, when it's a third down play, third and 18, yeah. let's throw it behind the line of scrimmage. Or am I just crazy here? No, I think this is a situation where I don't like plays like this, and I don't know the thought process behind it, but it seems to me that this is just not trusting your offense, right? We are saying, I don't right. trust my offense, and I don't trust my quarterback in particular to throw the ball down the field in this spot because it's such a just a difficult down and distance. Third and 18 is third and forever in the NFL. So I don't mm -hmm. trust my quarterback here. Maybe we'll try something like a screen, a delayed handoff, whatever it is and we'll try to put a talent or put a playmaker in space and see if he can do something i think that's the thought process i don't necessarily agree with it but i think that's it it's just not trusting your quarterback i think that's like the maddest i get when i'm watching football that yeah. and when there's a penalty like the penalties are pretty maddening but also when they throw it behind the line of scrimmage and you need 18 yards for a first down come <laughs> on man all right, so let's talk about some good performances this weekend because there were some really nice ones. Let's do a little MVP Monday. MVP Monday. Now I'm going to disagree with you a little bit here, Jenks. Uh, I don't think yeah. it's the lack of trust in Bryce Young as much as it is the lack of trust in that offensive line for Carolina. That offensive line is horrible. Yeah. Well, it's probably both, right? Because if you have right, a seasoned veteran, it's both, right? I'm not saying his line is all world, but if you have a bad quarterback or a rookie quarterback behind a bad line, that's awful. But you're not you're not going to put – if you have a Joe Burrow back there, even with a bad line, you're going to let him try and take a shot, right, because he's good enough, or a Josh Allen, Jalen Hurts, whoever, because they're good enough to make that. Bryce Young plus a bad line, then, yeah, you're probably going <laughs> to – let him throw a screen pass and maybe make it that way. So I, I don't disagree with you there. Well, like Chelsea said, let us transition from God awful performances to our huh. performances of the weekend. Nominee number one, Jalen Milrow and Isaiah Bond, Alabama Crimson Tide. That's all it is. But there's a lot of airspace to cover for Milrow. Still looking, firing. Near corner, it's caught! Touchdown, Alabama! Isaiah Bond! On a fourth and a mile! We always keep thinking we've seen it all, and we never have, have we? Milrow and Bond put fourth and 31 forever in the lexicon of the Iron Bowl as they connected on a touchdown pass in the final minute of the game as the Crimson Titans stun Auburn 27-24. Nominee number two, Deron Bland, Dallas Cowboys. 
Second and ten. There it is. This is history. If Bland can take it the distance, this will be the record. Bland for the fifth time has a pick six. It's never happened in the history of the NFL. And what a call by you. You got me with goosebumps, Nance. That was unbelievable. Bland had an interception return for a touchdown versus Washington on Thanksgiving for his fifth pick six of the season, a new NFL record. Nominee number three, Grady Gross, Washington. For the win, it is good. Washington survives Apple Cup insanity. Gross kicked a 42-yard field goal to keep Washington undefeated, headed into the Pac-12 championship next week. The Huskies defeated Washington State 24-21 to finish the regular season 12-0 in their final year in the Pac-12. Nominee number four, Blake Corum, Michigan Wolverines. Max Bredesen, the up back. And Michigan strikes first. Corum dancing. Corum breaks a tackle to the end zone. Blake the great touchdown Wolverines. Corum carried 22 times for 88 yards and two touchdowns as the Wolverines knockoff rival Ohio State 30-24. Michigan will play Iowa in next week's Big Ten title game and the Buckeyes will have to wait and see if they get into the college football playoff. So, Mr. Jenks, who mm-hmm. is your Monday MVP? Jalen Milrow and Isaiah Bond. That's amazing what happened in that game. The Iron Bowl is always so absolutely bonkers. Just imagine if you're Auburn. And you've had a bad season. Didn't Auburn lose to New Mexico State? Think about that for a second. An SEC team losing to New Mexico State a few weeks ago. So what happens when you're having a bad season in college football? What do you hold on to? Hopefully we can beat our arch rival. Let's just beat our arch rival. And they had it. Auburn had it. On a fourth and 31 You talk about a dagger through the heart. Converting a fourth and 31 in any game is, I don't know what the percentages are for that happening. They are minuscule, almost impossible. Imagine Alabama doing that at the end of the game at Auburn, stunning the crowd and doing so at the end of the game to win against their arch rival and just ruin Auburn's season. That... That's one of those college football plays that will go down in history, as it should. Jalen Milrow, Isaiah Bond, tip of the cap. That was This was a great weekend for college football. Some fantastic finishes. We saw the Apple Cup. We just heard the sound there. That one came down to the wire. This was Michigan-Ohio State was great. This was a great weekend, but this was the number one play. Jalen Milrow, Isaiah Bond, MVP. All right, so that was a good one. And the Iron Bowl certainly did not disappoint, especially since Auburn literally hired Hugh Freeze because they wanted to beat Alabama. He was the guy that was supposed to give them the upper hand in the rivalry, even though it was kind of a down season for Auburn. But I'm going to go Jalen Hurts, MVP of this one, because 
our reward for sitting through the 1 p.m. slate of a terrible NFL weekend was getting to watch the Bills and the Eagles square off in an overtime thriller. And listen, the name of the game this late in the, the season for the NFL is not, you know, winning big and women, winning dominantly. It's It doesn't matter how you win. It can be ugly. It can be an overtime. But a win is a win is a win. And Jalen Hurts just keeps on winning. And especially when he's coming from behind. Some of the stats on Jalen Hurts now are incredible. Let's start with this one. He is now the first quarterback ever with three consecutive seasons of 10 rushing touchdowns. Also, Jalen Hurts has been nails, clutch when it counts, eight consecutive wins when trailing by 10 or more points. And listen, this was not a great start for Jalen Hurts. He started off this game four of 11 in the first half for 33 yards passing. But the resolve that he showed in the second half, he finished this game with five total touchdowns in a huge win, like I said in overtime, including the walk-off winning touchdown where he scrambled it in all by himself. So MVP of the weekend and probably MVP of the league this year, Jalen Hurts, Philadelphia Eagles. You know who never gets flowers? Kickers. That's who. Kickers oh, never oh, get oh. flowers, so I'm giving mine to Grady Gross, who <laughs> kicks gross. a a four, yeah, it is gross. Forty-two. Is this the yard? Iowa kicker? No, he is. He is the Washington oh. kicker that won the game. Forty-two oh. yard field goal in <laughs> gross conditions, mind you. Not the greatest of conditions, but here's what makes it even better. After the game, I don't know if y'all saw this or not. He gets himself a full ride to Washington, announced by the coach in the post game celebration for Washington. So my MVP, Grady Gross, kicker, Washington Huskies. Oh, I'm glad somebody <laughs> likes kickers because right now kickers are dead to me. Matt Amendola, you had me going. I thought that you had the walk-off winner for the Texans, but no, it was a doink. So forgive me <laughs> if I'm a little, little bitter <laughs> over kickers this weekend. And, and didn't like uh, Justin Tucker missed a field goal last night? That was wild. I think it was a 44-yard field goal, which he never misses. So you're right. Sometimes on the kickers, it is feast or famine. It is win or lose. But when you can come up big in those moments, you will be rewarded. And this guy got a scholarship, so good for him. Uh, but we had a lot of great moments. Rivalry week never disappoints. Jenks, is, was this past Saturday the best Saturday of the entire year? I think it was. I absolutely think it was. Just think about two rivalry games coming down to the last seconds of the game, especially in games that you didn't necessarily think were going to be competitive. Would you have thought that Washington State actually had a chance to upset Washington? Would you have thought that Alabama needed a fourth and 31 at the end of the game to beat Auburn? Yeah, the games were spectacular. Yeah, I miss it already. We will have to wait <laughs> until next year for the next rivalry Saturday of college football. But man, was it a good one. But up next, let's turn our attention to Monday Night Football, our best plays between the Bears and the Vikings. Coming your way after the break on The Daily Tip. Chelsea and Jenks will be right back on The Daily Tip, presented by Bet MGM <laughs> On the BetQL Network.
Welcome back to The Daily Tip, presented by Bet MGM. With Michael Jenkins and Chelsea Messenger on the BetQL Network. And we're back with a vengeance. It's Monday here on The Daily Tip. And we know maybe you're dragging your feet. Maybe you don't want to go back to work today. But it's a soft launch because at least we have some Monday night football to look forward to tonight. Yes, it's the Bears and the Vikings. But still, maybe there are some ways to make some money. Because isn't that the way to make some of these bad games watchable? Like as I was sitting at the Titans and Panthers game Yesterday, I saw it in person. It was cold. It was spitting rain. But we had a family bet. We were on Derrick Henry to score two touchdowns for plus 600. And so we had something to root for. Guess what? Cashed in the first half. That was a nice little win for us. So as we were sitting through the misery that was both of these offenses trying to convert on third and 18, we could at least root for one man to enter the end zone twice i think that's the only way to make some of these games watchable is to have some wagers on it isn't that like the best thing you can do yeah if you if you like a side or a total or whatever player prop if you like something it's the only way otherwise it's change the channel time it's stream something else time but i'm like you i need to have some sort of dog in the fight or some sort of money or bet or something when it's a bad football game i know i was saying this earlier but I'm not just going to watch a game just because it's a game. I want to see something that's good. I want to see a decent matchup. I think tonight's matchup is interesting, so I wouldn't turn away from it completely. But, yeah, it's always better when you have some action on it. Oh, for sure. So let's do it. Let's look at the Bears and the Vikings squaring off in Minnesota as we have the Vikings three-point favorites. This one shortened from three and a half, so clearly some money coming in on the Bears here. Total of 44, I'm already seeing 43 and a half at some shops, so some people hitting the under as well. Uh, So from your first glance at this game, Jenks, what stands out? I like the Bears here. I got the Bears at three and a half last week. It was one of my pick six plays. So, gosh, if they could cover this number, I'd go six in on my pick six. I haven't done that all season. Ooh. Yeah. Ooh, dog. We'll see. We'll see. That's probably why I'm not going to choose it because I feel like my luck's going to run out. I like the Bears. Got him at three and a half. Still like him at three. And I feel like this is a good, I think it's a good sell high spot on Joshua Dobbs. I know the Vikings, the Vikings finally lost last week. So maybe you're not selling at the highest point. And Minnesota has been very good against the number, but especially at three and a half, I'm not going to buy the hook now, but I've seen some improvement in that Bears defensive line since they traded for Montez Sweat's divisional game. Feels like a field goal game. And when you look at Justin Fields, I don't want to be hyperbolic here, but I sort of think he's playing for his job right now. Looked pretty good last week, but the Bears have been bad enough this season where if they have a top five pick in the NFL draft, they have to make a decision. Are we going to roll with Justin Fields and improve the team around him, or are we going to draft a quarterback? I think that plays into what we see from Justin Fields tonight, and that Minnesota defense has been good, but I think the Bears can keep this close based on what we've seen recently. I'm going to go Bears plus three. I think that's the only way to go, because the biggest question that I sit and ask myself is, do you really want to play Josh Dobbs as a favorite? 
because mm-hmm. he has been surprisingly good. But over the last three games, he's always been getting points. And I know that they have won those games outright, and he's been a great story. But like you said, I think at some point the bubble has to burst for Josh Dobbs. And if the Vikings lose, you have to sit in the mirror and say, okay, you did this. You picked Josh Dobbs as a favorite. And you really have to think that way when you are taking favorites. Because let's give you an example. Over the weekend, I think I went back and forth on picking the Patriots minus three over the Giants, just fading the Giants, saying the Giants are bad. But in the end, I said, do I really want to play a very bad Patriots team laying points? And the answer was no. When we saw how that game went, they didn't even win the game. So I think that is the bottom line for me is I'll take the Vikings when they're getting points, but when they're laying a field goal here against a Bears team that now has Justin Fields back, yeah, I think the Bears are the right side here just by the book. Yeah, I agree with you. Now, a trend here, which I saw, which didn't make me feel good, is that the Vikings are 4-1 against the number in their last five games against Chicago. But the big caveat there is, is that that's when Kirk Cousins was playing quarterback for the Vikings. That's when Justin Jefferson was in the lineup, right? So you're taking away, mm-hmm. arguably, their two biggest weapons on offense and the most important position on the field in quarterback. So that's a trend where, yes, there's something to it, I guess. But if you read between the lines a little bit, then you say, oh, well, this trend was based on a completely different set of circumstances, that being Kirk Cousins and Justin Jefferson, who just happen to be huge playmakers, obviously, for the Vikings. So that's why that trend really doesn't hold up for me in this spot. Speaking of trends, we've got to mention primetime unders. They have been the play all season long, Mm -hmm. but also we have had some really trash matchups in primetime. So I'm not sure how you classify this one. I don't think this is, you know, a top-tier matchup, Bears-Vikings. But still, it's a pretty low total. Uh, It sits at 44 over at BetMGM. It has been falling. Uh, The open was 45, been bet down to 44. Like I said, it's already down to 43.5 in some places. Jenks, do you think the primetime under trend continues here? Yes, I do, and I will be on it. In Monday Night Football games this season, the under is 12-1. and one. That is unbelievable. 12-1. and one. Also, the under, 7-2 and two in the Vikings' last nine games overall. You got a Bears team that struggles on offense anyway, a Vikings offense led by their backup quarterback, they met earlier this season at Soldier Field. Vikings won 19-13, so the under clearly hit in that game. Yeah, the money's going in that direction. And, yes, the trend says under, 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 but also you can justify that trend. I think under is the play. I think so as well, especially when you're talking about two quarterbacks who are not, you know, the cream of the crop. I think that's where mm-hmm. you can really get some of those unders is in the red zone. That's when you really need those good quarterbacks to give you touchdowns instead of field goals if you are playing an over. But conversely, if you're playing an under, this is when I think they really struggle. And over the season, the Minnesota Vikings have not been great in the red zone in general. Their red zone offense ranks bottom 10 when it comes to scoring touchdowns in the red zone. So I think that's the case here as well. I would only play the under and I would only play the Bears. I did mention some props off the top, I believe, and I think there are a couple of good positions here for player props. There are two guys that I'm looking at. I'm looking at DJ Moore for the Chicago Bears and TJ Hawkinson for the Minnesota Vikings. 
TJ Hawkinson was going to be my top play. Then I saw some of the numbers mm-hmm. posted for him. And listen, the secret's out on TJ Hawkinson. I believe <laughs> he leads the NFL when it comes to tight ends uh, for receiving yards and I believe touchdowns as well. So his receptions was six and a half, which was really high. But I'll take a look at his yardage play. I think that is a good play as well. Because when you have a new quarterback that comes in, like Josh Dobbs, he has a favorite Mm -hmm. target and somebody who is going to be his security blanket. And in those three games, it's been TJ Hawkinson that's gotten the most targets over his last three games. He's gotten seven targets, 15 targets, and 12 targets over his last three games. So I think you either go anytime touchdown, which is plus money, I believe it's plus 145, or you go over his receiving yard. So Jenks, of those two, would you point me in any direction? Do you think I go the safer route, which I feel like is receiving yards, or do you think I bet on him to get in the end zone? Well, it depends if you're in the mood for plus money or not. I like the receptions prop because I tend to be a little more conservative, but you have to feel like, and you said it, when you're a backup quarterback, you need that security blanket, and TJ Hawkinson is that guy. So maybe I think the only thing you have to worry about if you're talking about yardage is has Vegas caught up is the number too high. But here in this spot, I like both, Chelsea, to be honest. Mm-hmm. I think you can play both and, and hit both. And I'm on a Jordan Addison prop tonight, so I'll be there with you. As far as banking on a Vikings receiver, I think that's a way to go tonight. So I like both. Yeah, so the number for TJ Hawkinson for yards is 61 and a half. If you look at his game logs, he's hit this in uh, four of his last five. Only had 55 last game, uh, but that was on the lower end. Only had four receptions in that game. I do think he gets quite a few in this game against the Bears. Then, looking at DJ Moore, I think he's going to be the guy that Justin Fields turns to. I think it can be really tricky playing receiver mm-hmm. props when you don't really trust the quarterback who's throwing the ball because obviously that makes a, a world of difference mm-hmm. when you're playing these receivers. But last game, DJ Moore was the guy for Justin Fields. Had nine targets, seven receptions, and 96 receiving yards. If you look at the matchup, the Vikings are giving up the seventh most receiving yards to wide receivers and the fourth most receptions. So it's also going to be probably a negative game script if you believe the line in this game. So I think Justin Fields may have to throw the ball a little bit more than he would like. And plus, it's a relatively low number. I believe it may be, uh, let's see, 60 and a half. I'll hit the over receiving yards for DJ Moore as well. Oh, I like that. I'm going to go Jordan Addison. Had to look around for this one. I'm going to go Jordan Addison over 49 and a half receiving yards. This number seems way too low to me. He has hit this mark in seven of 11 games this season, including four of his last five. Didn't hit it last week, but they were playing Denver. And Denver, as we've seen since giving up 70 to the Dolphins, one of the best defenses in all of football The Bears passing defense is a bottom 10 unit in the NFL. Justin Jefferson is out. So Joshua Dobbs needs a target. He's looking for TJ Hawkinson or he's looking for Jordan Addison. And oh, by the way, Jordan Addison has hit this number in every single home game this season. Over 49 and a half for Jordan Addison. That's going to be my player prop in this one. Are you going to do a parlay on this game? I need to start oh, doing God. that because the worst is when you absolutely nail a game and you don't play a same game parlay. Yeah. So if we were to play a same game parlay, 
we do what bears plus three under 44 mm -hmm. and then throw in one of those player props oh we do, like do that oh i kind of do actually or do you want to play a seven point teaser and get the oh. bears plus seven and go under <laughs> 40 yeah or do you want to go <laughs> under 50 i mean I don't know. I think you you probably have the right idea here. Get yourself some extra money here, and maybe this will play out the way we think. Because I will say one thing, and of course, betting is all over the place, dependent upon sport, whatever it is. But I think when it comes to deciding game script and figuring out how things align in these primetime games, I think it's been one of our strengths this season. I think so as well. And that's the thing. If you really nail a game, you can win some big money if you do one of those mm -hmm. same game parlays. And they have some really good promotions to where uh, maybe you're even doing it risk-free. But let's walk down the avenue of a teaser in this game. Because I do think it's a good spot now that you brought it up. Mm -hmm. Because you've got a key number for the Bears at three. So you do mm -hmm. either a seven-point or a six-point teaser. So let's do the traditional six-point teaser. So you got the okay. Bears plus nine. And then you've got a total of 50, which seems really high. What's the sabotage factor here? Do you think it's the total? That's what always scares me. Yeah, because I've been told total. not to tease totals because, you know, there's just more variance. Like the spreads are usually pretty sharp. And, you know, yes. it wouldn't shock me totally if the Bears get blown out. But, you know, I think they can keep it within nine points of the Vikings, especially in a game that some people think that the Bears can win outright. So I like the spread there. But the total, do you think that should make us nervous at 50? Do you play it up to yeah. the key number of 51? I guess you could. I That is the sabotage factor, though. And it's because you can get a garbage touchdown. The touchdown doesn't mean anything. It takes one busted coverage, and all of a sudden there's an extra touchdown you didn't account for or you didn't anticipate happening, and then your that is busted. So I definitely like six seven points on the side with the bears i don't think the bears are gonna get beat by double digits i just don't see it happening but you're right the sabotage factor there is definitely the total and then finally do we think the bears want to win this game as a franchise <laughs> no seriously they don't they'll try i they will try i mean the players aren't gonna go these these guys are professionals they're playing for their jobs justin fields i believe mm -hmm. is playing for his job there's no question about it I think as a franchise, when you get to this point, you know, it's tough, right? Because you want to have this mentality where you want to win football games. You want to win football games. But ultimately, at this point, you're looking at draft picks. You're looking at building towards the future because this season is already a wash. So the players aren't going to give up. But certainly, I would say if your management for the Bears or the upper echelon of Bears management, you're not going to be crushed if you lose this game. I know. I always think of that as a sabotage factor. Like, if you're on the Bears plus three, like, would that enter your realm of thinking? Because you're right. The guys on the field are not trying to lose the game. Justin mm -hmm. Fields is certainly not trying to lose the game. And then I was thinking of a Justin Fields rush prop as well, but the number's pretty high. I believe it's in the 50s. But I believe that if he truly wants to win this game and keep his job, he is going to be scrambling and trying to pick up those extra yards to prove that he is the guy in Chicago. All right, up next, we'll transition to the NBA. Uh, our plays in the association next on The Daily Tip. Chelsea and Jenks will be right back on The Daily Tip, presented by Bet MGM on the BetQL Network.
The BetQL Network has the basketball season on lockdown. Charles Barkley. The Celtics have not picked to win this thing, but the one problem they had the last couple years, man, Tatum and Brown take awful shots, and they make bad basketball decisions down the stretch. I think having a guy like Drew Holiday is going to be a great addition to that team because he's a true point guard. As much as you like Marcus Smart, he wasn't a true point guard, and I think that's going to help Brown and Tatum in the long run. I'm not high on Golden State as most people are because when you have as much success as they have, I think age and wear and tear really starts to take its toll when you're in your early 30s or mid-30s like most of their stars are. The Better Angle tips off every Saturday at 4 Eastern on the BetQL Network presented by BetMGM. Download the BetMGM app today and lock in all basketball season long. Sports bettors, wrap up your day with BetMGM tonight. Presented by BetMGM. Starring Ryan Horvath, Trista Crick, and Nick Ashew on the BetQL Network. This is the type of game where it could go either way because neither team plays defense. So it's just oh, whoever shoots the ball better. Miller, Brandon, Brandon, Brandon. Corey Kispert, Kispert three, that's three, a splash. 94-77. Look at the boys. This is the night you should have bet on them. See, this is what happens. And I've told you this. Oh, you did? Did you? You told me you didn't. You are full of lies. Well, he I didn't want to bring us. bad energy into the room, damn he, it. He you already know us. what it is when the Wizards are on that court and I'm stuck in this room. I'm betting them. All right. Show rule. I don't care if they play the 95-96 Bulls. Mm-hmm. All right. I don't care. They'll shut Luke Longley's ass down. Well, They'll that's w- not that hard. I hate this. BetMGM tonight, 7 to 11 Eastern on America's home for wagertainment. The BetQL Network presented by the king of sportsbooks, BetMGM. Download the BetMGM app today. Please gamble responsibly. Always live on the free Odyssey app. Check out BetQL Daily presented by BetMGM with Joe Ostrowski, Eddie Gross, and Aaron Hawksworth on the BetQL Network. The six points, Brett. Got to be careful with these. And, and I wish I had more conviction on the dogs in some of these matchups. We always want to respect the betting market, but yeah, we had some surprises there. Cleveland with the upset. Baltimore was like six, six and a half all week. Houston with the upset. And Washington almost pulled off the upset against Seattle. There's a reason it's six and not seven. This is why you don't tease from six down to a pick'em. There is a massive difference between six and seven, six and a half, seven and a half. Just remember that if there's one big takeaway from this weekend. BetQL Daily, 9 to noon Eastern on America's home for wagertainment. The BetQL Network, presented by the king of sportsbooks, BetMGM. Download the BetMGM app today. Always live on the free Odyssey app. Please gamble responsibly. Let's get back to the Daily Tip with Chelsea Messenger and Michael Jenkins, presented by BetMGM on the BetQL Network. Off and rolling on this Monday morning as we do our best to handicap the NBA in the coming segment. We will do our best to give you some winners on the hardwood and i think one of the questions i have for tonight's slate is how long do you bet a trend do you bet the trend until it comes to a screeching halt or do you say okay eventually all trends come to an end because i'm looking Mm -hmm. at this pacers game the pacers are 14 and (laughs) one to the over some of these games have been comically high scoring like you look at these final scores 
136 to 113, 131 to 132, 157 to 152. So, Jenks, would you ever be brave enough to bet an under on a team that has been this scorching hot to the over? No. (laughs) No, I would not. (laughs) No way. They've been unbelievable. You just got to ride this out. You have to ride it out. The Pacers are crazy because they play no defense, but they're also number one in the NBA in pace of play. So that's the mm-hmm. reason why the they just keep crushing it. Yeah, they, <laughs> oh, good job. They are the Pacers. They're living up to their name, right? That's what they do. Yeah, I, I would be on the Pacers. I am on the Pacers over tonight. I believe what total is 240 and a hook, if my memory serves. So, mm-hmm. yeah, I would be on the over until I see otherwise, particularly because it's not a fluke. It's This is just the way they play basketball. And I are you going to be on your Tyrese Halliburton prop? I don't think so. Um, I would need to see the number because I do believe that the books are finally starting to catch up and the numbers are usually pretty high for Tyrese Halliburton. And I'm wondering, there is blowout potential. Like props Mm -hmm. are killed by blowouts and the the trailblazers are coming off a back-to-back. It's a team that sometimes has trouble scoring, which usually the cure for that is facing the Pacers. Uh, But still, I think that is the sabotage factor. If you're looking at any type of player props in a game that has a 12 and a half point spread. But going back to trends, do you think Mm -hmm. that you should bet on games because of the trends? Or are you somebody who says, okay, trends don't always project what's coming next. It's just what's been happening. And it's kind of like you don't. Do you get what I'm saying here? Yeah, Because I've gone back and forth with people who say, Trends are not always relevant in sports betting. And they kind of equate it to spinning a roulette wheel and saying, Mm -hmm. okay, every other spin that you've had in the past 15 spins has no impact on your 16th spin. But I think if you can find a reason for why this trend has been so profitable, that's Mm -hmm. when you can actually play a trend and say, okay, if you have uh, a lot of ammo into saying why this trend has been happening, that's when you can start saying this trend is predictive as opposed to just something that's random. I think what you have to do is is you look at the trend. Tonight's Monday Night Football game is a perfect example, right? And I was mentioning this earlier mm-hmm. where I believe that the Vikings are 7-2 and two against the number in their last nine. They're 5-1 and one against the Bears. They're 4-1 against the number in their last five games against the Bears. However, that trend came with Kirk Cousins at quarterback and Justin Jefferson in the lineup. So all of a sudden, that trend is, okay, maybe there's something to it, but for the most part, it's null and void because you have such crucial pieces who aren't going to be a part of tonight's game. So if you like a trend, great, but look at the underlying factors and make sure that you can still make a case for it. And I don't mean, oh, well, oh, the Pacers are 14 and one of the over. I'm going over. Okay, great. But who are they playing tonight? Are they playing the defensive, the best defensive team in the NBA? Are there any key players out? What has changed since that trend held versus tonight? And you take all of that information in and you say, okay, yes, it still lines up. Then you go for it. But you have to be careful with trends because things can and do change. And then also, Chelsea, as we know, Vegas always adjusts to the number. Right. And I think that's what makes me nervous about the over in this Pacers game 
is that 240, like for a normal NBA game, it sounds high, but it sounds right. really low for Pacers games where it one does. side of the equation, one team alone has been scoring close to 140, uh, 140 points. So it just feels comically low to me. So maybe this is the night when the trend goes the other direction. And I do think the sabotage factor is that Portland is only averaging 104 points per game. This is not a team that's really offensively uh, great, especially Anthony Simon still out, Robert Williams out for the season. So not one of the best teams in the NBA. We know this. But what about the spread here? Because we kind of touched on this with the Vikings, that you want to bet on them in certain situations, say when they're getting points. But when they're favorites, mm -hmm. it's a little different. And this is the biggest number that the Pacers have laid all season long. They're 12 and a half point favorites. And I'm looking back to some Yuck. of these instances where they've been big favorites. They haven't been necessarily good. They were 10 point favorites against San Antonio. Didn't cover that number despite winning. Uh, and then they had an outright loss to the Magic as eight and a half point favorites there. So back to this Pacers and Blazers game, which I know is not the landmark game of the slate. But right. do you have a feeling on a spread here, or would you just go with the total? I would just go with the total. These numbers in the NBA, and I understand why, right? Because the Blazers are so bad, mm -hmm. but it's such a big number. And this is when, when I see a huge number like this in the NBA, it might be the right side. We could absolutely see a blot. There's no question about it. Bla Blazers are one of the worst teams in the NBA. Pacers are at home. They play at a high pace. But also, the Pacers don't play any defense. So, if you're going to run someone out of the gym, okay, great. You play at a high pace, overs keep hitting. But at the same time, if you also don't play any defense, you could win by 10 and the over could still hit. So I don't feel very comfortable laying a number this big with a team that isn't very good defensively. So I would still say the over is the play. Yeah, I think that is the better play of the two. And the one that the trends are pointing to the over 241 and a half in the Pacers and the Blazers. Next up, let's look at the Lakers and the Sixers. We've got Philadelphia laying four and a half here, total of 231 and a half. And this is the landmark or the, the roadblock that we run into when trying to handicap a lot of these games. We are seeing a lot of big names on the injury report. Uh, right now, we have some big question marks for the Lakers. Anthony Davis looks like he's probable for tonight's game against the Sixers. LeBron James, questionable. And Cam Reddish is questionable as well. Uh, so when you see the big names on the injury report, is this an immediate no play for you? Or do you say, okay, maybe there's some value to be had. Maybe you can try to guess who's actually playing and play one side of the equation. I, ooh, I think I like the Sixers here, honestly. I think I like the Sixers here. And they've been now they haven't been great against the number recently. I do need to point that out, but they have been one of the better teams in all of just in all of the NBA against the number, particularly mm -hmm. at home. So when I see this is one of those things, this is why I hate betting on the NBA. I know I sound so curmudgeonly here or curmudgeonous. What's the right way to put that <laughs> word? I forget. Regardless, like such an old man, but it's just because when you see LeBron James as questionable for the Lakers, it's like, all right, he'll probably play.
But do I really want to bet on this game if I'm looking at the Lakers with LeBron maybe out? And this is opened at four and a half. Now it's sitting at five and a half. So we're seeing money come in on the 76ers. I'd go Sixers here. I think I would as well, especially because it's a Monday after Thanksgiving. Doesn't feel like a huge matchup for the Lakers. I mean, it should be. Sixers are one of the best yeah. teams in the NBA. But I'm not sure if the urgency is there for LeBron and company. And plus, the Sixers are just a good team. Uh, Joel Embiid has been really mm -hmm. good in his matchups against the Lakers over the course of his career, averaging over 31 points, 9 rebounds, and 4.7 assists, and at least 30 points in each of the last three matchups. So clearly, this is somebody who plays really well against the Lakers. So I think that the Sixers would be the play if I had to play something in that matchup. The other games that we're looking at, we've got Nuggets Clippers and Pelicans Jazz. Jenks, either of these games pique your interest? Yes, I like the Clippers tonight, which I cannot believe I'm saying because <laughs> I cannot stand James Harden <laughs> at all. But I will give them credit. It started off, that whole experiment, that whole trade, as a total disaster. But right now, this open at Clippers minus four and a half. Now it's sitting at what? Clippers minus five and a half. I got the Clippers this morning at four and a hook. And it's just because the Nuggets are still, they're waiting to get healthy because Jamal Murray is out of the lineup. And then not only that, the trends just are not pointing in their favor. And I think it's because Jamal Murray is out. Denver is one and eight against the spread on the road this season. And also as bad as the Clippers started, with the James Harden era in L.A. They've won four of their last five, so they're starting to play better basketball, and they're getting a Nuggets team, and it's just been so bad on the road. I would lay the points with the Clippers. I thought something was wrong with my computer when I saw the line on this game. I said, is Nikola Jokic no longer on the team? <laughs> because this is jarring to see. This is the first time that the Nuggets have been underdogs all season long, and it's to the Clippers. So at some yep. point, if this number keeps climbing, I think I'm going to have to be on Denver because this is a team that still has some depth. Like there's a reason they won a championship. It's because they yeah. have a lot of good players on this team. And I know that they lost some of the pieces uh, of last year's championship team that gave them the, that depth to win a ring. But still, at what point does the number get too big for you here? I will say that the Clippers have been good as favorites this year, seven and four, but if we're getting into the territory of like, you know, a three possession game, I think I've got to be on Denver. Oh, I just can't do it. Aaron Gordon could also be out again tonight. I know it seems crazy. What, what's going to happen, what I feel like will happen in this game is that I would like a Nuggets player prop maybe on Nikola Jokic. I think he'll go off. They won't have an answer for him. But I don't think the Nuggets are going to have an answer for the quickness and the way that the Clippers play the game from the outside. As long as the Clippers shoot well, I think they cover this number. But I'm not necessarily interested in playing it. I do like it. Oh, trusting the Clippers. Things that I, I don't want to be doing <laughs> on a Monday morning. Because you know what's going to happen? Somebody's going to pop up on the injury report. Oh, Kawhi Leonard. His tummy hurts. Uh, <laughs> so, like, no, I don't want to bet on the Clippers. All right, what do we want to bet on? Coming up after the break, we'll look at what our bets did right in week 11 of the NFL. We've got to get to break. That's next on The Daily Tip.